Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome into a new version of episode 11 of Half Street High Heat. Sorry about the technical difficulties we had last week. Um, the software we were using has been problematic, so we're still working on it. Apologies if the audio is not what it ought to be. Um, we appreciate you joining us as always. I am your host, Amanda White. You can follow me on Twitter at awhite7877, and I am joined as always by my co-hosts, Nick and Ryan, and you can follow them on Twitter at DCNatChat. And you can follow the show at Half Street High Heat. Uh, we are doing this for the DMV Sports Network. You can follow them at DMV underscore SN. And be sure to check out the website for all the great daily content you can find there about all things DC sports, except the Caps because their season's over, and local college sports. So make sure to check it out. And please do subscribe and uh, leave comments. We appreciate all of your time. So how you doing, guys? Well, we used to be illustrious co-hosts, but some reason that got dropped. So, well, maybe this week you just seem less illustrious than usual. I don't know. Oof. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'll remember that. Oh, so it's been a tough week for the Nats, uh, and for, for the all Nats of us, really, fan base. Yes, for all of us, really. I said I uh, keep bringing up the caps between that and the Nats' uh, generalized suckage. It's been a tough week to be a DC sports fan. And Avengers Endgame. Just been a long week. Endgame Which I haven't seen yet, so I don't think I mean, any spoilers. If you, if you don't see it this weekend, you're not a real fan. Sorry. You have until Tuesday to see it before I start spoiling it. Okay, that seems fair. That's to everyone. That seems fair. <laughs> yeah, so we shouldn't spoil anything anyway because some of our listeners may not have watched it yet either. You have 48 so. hours. Fake fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so why don't we start out with our week and recap, um, as, as unpleasant as that will likely be. Ryan, you want to take it away? Yeah. It's, yes, I do. <laughs> um, it's the week of who wants it less. The entire NL East is bad right now. The Braves are three and seven in the last ten. Nats, Mets, and Marlins are four and six, and the Phillies are five and five. First one to win eighty-five games gets the division. The Marlins, they're a team. They're eight and twenty, just hanging out in fifth place. Um, and fourth place, we have the Washington Nationals. They are in the heart of their stretch of this schedule right here. That just sucks. Um, they dropped two or three in each of the last three series. But in their defense, they were playing noted powerhouses, checks notes, the Miami Marlins, Colorado Rockies, and San Diego Padres. They are 12 and 14. In third place, we have the Braves. After taking 2-3 from the Indians, they dropped 2-3 to the Reds and dropped 2-3 to the Rockies. Um, they need more than Tiger Woods to get them going because they're 13 and 14. And second place, somehow, are the Mets. Uh, they took 2-3 against the greatest team of all time, the Phillies. Uh, they then dropped two or three to the Brewers. Jacob DeGrom sucks all of a sudden, and they basically said Gio Gonzalez isn't good enough to replace the worst pitcher in baseball. Suck on that, Gio. They're 14 and 13. In first place, we have the Philadelphia Phillies, who created the rivalry with the Mets this weekend. Bryce Harper was ejected. He fell up the stairs. I laughed. 
players were throwing at. Hoskins <laughs> took his sweet ass time rounding the bases, and they kind of revealed that their clubhouse is a mess. And uh, I'm not shocked. They are 16 and 12. So that is the NL East in the week. You are welcome, everyone. <laughs> and now since well. baseball is officially one month old, Casey's sleeping under a rock. I will tell you the biggest story through the first month. Albert Pujols passes Barry Bonds. He's now third all-time on RBIs. Vlad Jr. makes his much-anticipated debut. He goes sicko mode in the ninth inning with a double that led to the uh, winning run because he is the GOAT. David Price becomes a GM, says Red Sox stars could be traded if they turn, don't turn around soon. Spoiler alert, they haven't turned around since their GM said that. Um, Cody Bellinger, best player in baseball, not named Mike Trout. Uh, he's the director for most, most yeah, I was total say Christian bases. Yellen. And um, excuse me, I will get there if you guys just let me finish. <laughs> Golly goodness. Um, Cody Bellinger sets the record for the most total bases in March, April. Um, in MLB history, he has the most RBIs for a Dodger through 28 games in history. He leads baseball in runs, hits, batting average, and slugging. Christian Yelich has tied the record for most home runs ever by before May, which is incredible considering he only has one home run on the road this season, which is also the equivalent to what Michael Taylor does over the course of six months. And then <laughs> lastly, Tim Anderson says screw the unwritten rules twice. He pimps a beautiful walk-off home run while giving a middle finger to stuck up old white people everywhere. And there you have it. I think you should add one, which is that today there was a game where it was the first time three players under the age of 21 hit home runs for the same team in the same game. So the question is, Anyone? where do they use their fake ID at? <laughs> That's a clown that question, bro. your Washington Nationals. <laughs> who had uh, quite an interesting game today, but we will get to that when we discuss the Padre series. But if you're going to go around baseball, that seems like a notable stat. Add to your list. I'm sorry. Uh, we talk about the Nats throughout the entire podcast. Around baseball is for the other 29 teams. Thanks. 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 <laughs> All right. So um, let's talk about the biggest thing that happened probably this week for the Nats, which is Carter Keboom finally. Speaking of much-anticipated debuts, we finally got to see Keboom. What do you guys? What are your initial reactions, thoughts? Um, he can hit home runs. You know, he has two game tying home runs. Um, two home runs in three games is pretty sweet. There were a couple mm-hmm. times when I felt like he was just he let the moment get too big for him, which is completely understandable. And he stood up there and with just a bat on his shoulder, was terrified to swing. But I mean, overall, I thought it was a pretty good weekend for him. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm. A like ecstatic he's finally like called up and and all that but it's just annoying because one he can clearly hit so why didn't we call him up sooner and two like ryan said it's completely understandable like the moment gets to him at some points uh there's been certain times where he's literally just watched pitches go by and like doesn't swing the bat which like frustrates me because clearly he can hit so swing the bat i'd rather him swing too much than not swing at all it just drives me crazy yeah i'd always rather see you strike out swinging than strike out looking right so that's just like a personal thing for 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 me but i mean i i don't really have anything bad to say it's like a godsend considering how we uh we've been playing and uh, the past few series and weeks and whatnot so hopefully he can provide some sort of spark and I mean, without him today, we would have lost this game. So, yeah, that's for sure. And there was, you know, it was it was the first game or the second game of the series. I think it was the the first game where he, uh, you know, was the last out and you know had an opportunity to be the hero and he just didn't. Which, I like you said, was, I mean, yeah, just, yesterday was that yesterday's game. Anyway, I thought that was his debut. Yeah. That was that was the debut I thought. Uh, well, anyway, welcome, welcome it to is it is kids. understandable, <laughs> but it sure would have been cool to see him after tying the game have the opportunity to actually win it and oh, kind of come been, through. That would have been incredible. Yeah, it would have, and I'm really glad to see him up here with the club now. I mean, it's it's clear that to me, at least at this point, that the Dozier experiment is you know not has not worked out as the Nats had hoped that it would. Dunger. And uh, it sure. It sure uh, makes me wish that, that they had just 
let I see what you did there. I see. Yeah, it didn't work as well. <laughs> it was better in my head. <laughs> that happens to me all the time. Now, I just feel like um, it, it makes me wish for what could have been, which is what could have been is they didn't sign Dozier and they just knew they had Keyboom in the minors and they brought him up to play. And that $9 million could have been used on, say, I don't know, some better bullpen arms. Yeah, if you have that eight been. in free cap space and then nine from Dozier, that's 17, which maybe could sign Craig Kimbrell. Just right, but instead we have Dozier. And between Keyboom now and Kendrick, I just don't know why why we're even seeing Dozier at this point. I mean, Kendrick's been better than him. Keyboom's going to be better than him. I, I, yeah. just, well, I don't see the point Kirk anymore. Because Renown, Renown's still recovering from his uh, hip yeah, I don't know. That's a really good question. And first is another really good question. <laughs> well, that question that question's been answered. Yeah, question's been answered now that uh, Zim graciously went to the IL for the benefit of the team. Yes, very gracious. Um, and then of course Adams came out and hit the uh, hit the walk off today, which was yeah, which was good to see. You know, it was it was a it was a good win for them today. They had. The coming back from six runs down, I was ready to give up when I saw them down six runs. I was just like, you know, this is just another game. And then with an early bullpen game, I yeah. did not have high hopes. But it, they definitely bullpen went eight scoreless. It was a really good win, but it, it doesn't really fix any of the issues. But it's it's nice to get a win and not get swept and and have you know, it's always fun to see a walk off. So it, it lifts everyone's spirits and that's worth something. Yeah, going to the IL is the most value Zim's provided in a long time. Oh, yikes. That's harsh. Hey, listen, we won. So, and who did <laughs> who did we call up when Zim went to the IL? Fetty. Who went four scoreless in a key situation? Fetty. Yeah, Just so saying. maybe we should take a minute to talk about Fetty because he was shockingly good today. It, it's a yeah. smokescreen. I don't believe it. I will not buy into it. <laughs> Well, I definitely yeah, didn't expect him to come out and go for scoreless. Uh, no, I was shocked because I don't think he's even pitched two scoreless innings in his career. Um, <laughs> and that was pretty nice to see. I mean, the guy's got like a career like seven ERA. So I fully expect like they're just going to throw him out there and he's going to get laid up. But no, he, uh, he grew up here and I was pleasantly surprised. So, but <laughs> Rest in peace to him, because now Davey's going to run him into the ground. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Well, I hope he enjoyed his day in the sun, because now he's going to have to pitch every day until he can anymore, and he has to go to the to the DL. I don't know. Maybe oh, the pressure go. was off since Hellickson gave up six early. He could just, like, he knew he wasn't going to, like, be the loser. So. He wasn't going to be the one who, you know, ruined the game. Yeah, maybe exactly. that might be something to that, but. It was definitely good to see the bullpen have a good day, because they have been they have received much well-deserved criticism and they've been just dismal and they're pretty much the worst Ooh. in the whole league. But you today want, was, you want to hear how bad, how bad, how so bad the Nats, are they? The Nats bullpen this season has picked 68.2 innings, the least amount. They have a 7.34 ERA, the worst in uh, baseball. Uh, opponents are in 284 off of them, the second worst. 27 inherited runners have scored. That's 30. They also have, hit nine guys have nine wild pitches, which are both the most in baseball. So who's, who's got the worst batting average against who's, who's worst if we're second worst. That's uh, probably the Marlins. I mean, there yeah, are 20 losses. So when in doubt, it's always the Marlins. <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt, blame the fish. <laughs> All right. So yeah. why don't we move on and talk a little bit about the Rocky series? You guys have any uh, generalized Thoughts, impressions on that one? I mean, drop two or three, that's really all that matters. A win is a win, a loss is a loss, no matter what. Um, so losing two, two of three against a team like the Rockies, who aren't doing that well either, um, those are games we need to have, and we didn't. And it it's going to hurt us, like especially with all the other teams kind of just not really getting better, not really pulling away. Granted, it's early, but no one's really pulling away from anyone else. So these are games that are important and need to be taken advantage of, and we're not doing it. So and the Rockies don't have pitching. So we should hypothetically be able to take advantage of that, and we didn't. So it just – Well, we don't have pitching either, and they were able to take advantage of that. <laughs> well, fair. 
Yeah, the Rockies. Yeah, have and, and again, it's just bullpen. Year. The Rockies what? Yeah, the, the Rockies just went seven and three against the Nats, Phillies, and Braves. They own an East. That's interesting. Yeah, but they're, they're thirteen and against thirteen other and fifteen overall. <laughs> I but seven, seven and three against the East. Yeah, more than half their victories are against the NLEs. Yeah, yep. it's funny because we spent the, the early part of the, you know, before the season started and the early couple of weeks talking about how the NLEs was going to be the powerhouse and the best division in baseball, and it sure isn't shaping up that way. Well, in my nope. defense, I said the Central was better, so I'm off the hook. Yeah. Yeah, well, but not just us. I mean, in general, the baseball world, everybody was – you listen to the MLB network and you know the radio station and everybody talked about how the NL East was going to be this and grinder I and I guess Half in Street that sense it is I like I like getting my my information from like credited sources so that's why I only listen to Half Street High Heat Oh you know, I see smart that's smart Yeah I was preparing for end games so I don't really remember anything <laughs> about the Rocky series I just know that uh Sanchez looked bad Corbin was good, and uh, Helixson got lit up again. So that's all I remember. Well, from that's it, the but, that's uh, the kind of analysis you come here for. <laughs> There's no preparation you can bad. do to get ready for for Endgame. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. What does one do to get ready for a movie? I mean, you just like buy a ticket and then you go um, to it, right? You have to excuse me, watch your mouth. and mentally prepare. Yeah, I see. Like I see. Yeah. Yeah. You have to watch as it, you have as to the research. one person on this podcast who hasn't seen it, I would appreciate it if you don't speak on things you don't know. Fair <laughs> enough. Although I can't understand the mental preparation part. I'm mentally preparing for Game of Thrones tonight, so I'm same uh, thing. Well, how do you same same process for a TV show. Yeah, mentally. Got him. Got mentally him. prepared. Got him. <laughs> I'm not prepared. Lord. I'm not prepared. <laughs> All right, so that's the Rocky series, which was forgettable. Um, not a good one for the Nats. And then we move on to another forgettable series, other than today's walk-off, which was fun, which was the Padres series. So, so yeah. I have – I'm sure this is kind of, like, lost in – because, obviously, we lost the first two games, um, and we almost lost today. And this bomb I'm about to drop is kind of lost in translation just on how the first two games went and how the third game almost went. But every single run we scored this series was on a home run ball. We scored yeah. 13 runs this series, and every single one was a home run. What happened to Davies' emphasis on playing small ball and manufacturing runs? Well, hmm? They had many chances today when they had run out first and second, no out, and Michael K. Taylor up, and Michael Taylor did not bunt. So they oh, my God. Oh, what a day that. for Michael A. I cannot stand to ever watch him play baseball again. He legitimately might be the worst baseball player I've ever seen on TV. How do you strike out looking four times in a row? It is baffling to me that he, this guy has people coming to his defense. It is so bad. Well, I am not, you know, like I said, I'm not, I, don't, I don't like to disparage people and say they're awful in whatever way, but he shouldn't be playing baseball for the Nationals at this point. He is not, he is not good enough. They have, Dude needs they a have new other career. options. They just... I, you know, like I said, if he wants to, if another team wants to take him, that's fine. But I, if I never see him hit for the Nationals again, that's just fine. He's so bad. Even Defoe I mean, got yeah. hit today. Yeah. Oh my God. Although I still think we've we've given Defoe lots of, you know, we've ribbed Defoe plenty on this podcast, but you know, he's better than Michael A. Taylor. It's not saying well, that's much. Hard to do. But Defoe is right. fine in the role of the fifth infielder. Yeah, I'm fine with yeah. that. Yeah, and he's versatile and can play a lot of different positions. And he's, you know, he's got he's got value in that way. I don't want to see him ever on the starting lineup card. Yeah. That means something's gone terribly wrong. But, you know, I don't mind having him as an option on the bench. But Michael A just, you know, and it's it, I remember a couple of years ago when Dusty said to him, like, this is your last chance. Like, you've had more chances than most. And I don't understand why he just keeps getting more chances. I, I understand he's had flashes. But it's uh, flashes of of being okay, and a whole lot of being awful, and I just don't understand why that's still going on at all. I just I can't I can't handle it. He's the epitome of what's wrong with the Nats. 
Yes, well, it's a lack of accountability and, you know, continuing to be given. And the thing with the, the bullpen, I still think, is the biggest problem that they're having. There are lots of other yeah. surmountable issues, but the bullpen is you can't overcome a bullpen that blows games as regularly as theirs does. So today yeah, was I mean, obviously a rare bright spot, but the, the bullpen remains a humongous problem that they are doing nothing to fix. Max and Strauss combined for 14 innings, four runs, 19 strikeouts, and neither of them got a decision. And the bullpen <laughs> yeah. gave up six runs in the 10th inning and won those games. Like, yeah, and it, it you know, and just, it, there was the game where they they gave up six runs in the 10th. Like you can get it all the way to extra innings as a tie ball game, and what you give the bullpen one inning and they can they can ruin it. You know, it's just it, there's no amount of innings the starters can pitch that can that can make up for this bullpen. Yeah, it's just you, I mean, you you can't you can't have them do it, do it all. Like the they can't go a complete game every single time out. It's just Right. Even if you ask them to go or seven even or eight seven or, or eight, seven, yeah, you can't like, ask them. You can't yeah. ask them to do that. So it's just something's got to give at, at some point or otherwise it's going to be an ugly season. And I just keep wondering whether the learners are going to let it happen, whether they're going to let it go totally off the rails and just say, screw it, we're not putting any more money out. So if it goes off the rails, it does. It sort of feels to me like maybe that's where they are with it. Like whatever happens, happens. We're not spending anymore. Yeah. And I mean, we'll we'll talk about that. That's actually our FYI segment. So we won't dive too much into that just yet. But I mean, like you just said, like the learners have to make a decision. But at the same time, like – it's just the definition definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. I mean, look at 2012. The reason that didn't work out was because of a bad bullpen, bad manager. Here we are in 2019, bad bullpen, bad manager. Like, it's just like, how can you put the same thing out there every single time and expect things to be different? It's just, it's baffling. Well, yeah, agree. It's, it's hard to Mike take. Rizzo. Here's Mike Rizzo's quote after uh, the Nats bullpen gave up six runs in the 10th inning. He said, we think we are as talented and as good as anybody in the league, anybody in baseball, and we are looking forward to playing our best baseball. And we're We're worried about ourselves. We're not worried about any other team in the division or any other team in baseball. We're worried about us because when we play like we're supposed to play, we're as good as anybody around, and we're waiting for that to take hold and to play our best baseball. Jesus. I don't even know what to say to that. Just media garbage. 97 games or 97 days in the last two seasons where they've been within one game of 500. No other team in baseball has more than 50. When when is the best baseball going to come around? Because we haven't seen it in a long time. And I I could be. The thing is that the best baseball for this bullpen isn't good enough. And that's what I think they're not acknowledging. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I could be completely wrong. I ca- read this just at a glance while I was scrolling through Twitter looking for something, but I'm pretty sure I saw a stat where under Davey, we've only been in first place like th- for three days with Davey as manager. Yikes. Uh, I could be wrong. I'm not saying that, but it wouldn't surprise me because we were 82 and 80 last year. We were never really in first place, and if we were, it was like way early in the season. So yeah, that's, and that's we, a, we haven't been in first place stat. this year. So three days under Davy that we've been in first place, and that is just yeah. And I always hate to rehash the Dusty stuff, but I have to say Dusty had horrible bullpens, and he won a hell of a lot more games. But than, it's it's not even like Davey. a a Davy versus Dusty thing. It's just like Dusty's in the past. You can just leave it there. It, it's just solely on Davey Martinez now. He is not a good manager. So Yeah, but like, if he's not busy, maybe they should call him. <laughs> I mean, no, I don't think that's – I, I, know, D- I know. Dusty's bad for different reasons. It's just those reasons don't always jump out at you like they do with Davey. It's just – No, but I got to say here's my hot take for this episode, which is I don't think Davey makes it to the All-Star break. Oh, 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 oh. That's going to be my rant fired. for our next segment. Well, you you stole mine, so that's oh, cool. Yeah, okay, I called it first. Next I, I call. I actually called it first, but that's fine. It's cool. It's cool. I'm oh, well. I got it before either of you. So there. 
Gotta be quicker than that. <laughs> okay, so before we go on to our FYI segment, I just want to uh, remind everybody that we are uh, doing this for the DMD Sports Network, and they have a great library of podcasts, um, shows about all the major sports teams, um, including, of course, ours about the Nationals. You've got Redskins, Caps, Wizards, Ravens. There's the DMD Dispute, which is a uh, live show that you can listen to on Twitter. There's the About Time DC and Dom and Thunder shows that cover all the different sports, plus, you know, just regular sports all around the country. Um, these are all available wherever you get your podcast, so please do check them out, subscribe, and leave reviews. And then we will move on to our next segment. Okay, so for our FYI segment this week, we are going to talk about the direction of the Nats at a lot of different positions and in a lot of different ways. Um, let's talk first about the manager position. We were just, you know, starting to talk about Davey a little bit. Um, what do you guys think i don't think he's going to last much longer i, I think if well, the team continues to underperform he's going to be gone what are your thoughts uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna touch every single one of these in one little montage for you guys okay Just really efficiency quickly okay okay right. so here's what the nats need to do so the nats lucky. need to swallow their pride <laughs> and realize hiring david was a mistake and they need to fire him today you know, a lot of times teams just need a spark. The Nats are playing terribly, and they're playing with no life and no energy. Yes, they had a come-from-behind game today, but they had one before, and then they went on to lose two and three in the next series. You need that spark, all right? So you fire him. You go along with it. At the all-star break, if things are not better, you need to blow it the hell up. You need to have a real conversation with yourself, and you need to realize that you need to restock your 26th-ranked farm system in baseball. You need to accept the fact that your window is more than likely closed. You had an eight-year run. You blew it. You did absolutely nothing with it. The rest of your division is a lot younger, has deeper farm systems, and is ready to win now. You need to have a conversation about Rendone. You need a conversation about Doolittle, Max, and Straw. All those guys need to be on the trade block if you're done in July. And you need to figure out a way to get back the farm system and realize we had our shot. Trying to contend for nine years, which next year will be, is impossible. Start over. And I think they need to also move on from Ryan Zimmerman at the end of the season. He had his time. I understand who he is. Move him into a front office role like the Mariners did with Ichiro. It's his time to move on. And then you also, you bite the bullet and you trade Dozier at the deadline also. He sucked. That was a terrible thing. Put Keeboom right there and start with your young guys everywhere. That's well, how you did go on with the Nationals. I mean, that was kind of jumping the gun, but it was efficient. Uh, hey, I told you, man. Yeah. No, I mean, Davey was absolutely a mistake. There's no debating that. There's no defense for it. Like, he was absolutely a mistake. Um, it, I mean, if we're just hanging around, like, 500 barely under 500 obviously that's not good enough that's not going to get us anywhere so yeah you really do need to have that conversation about blowing it up uh, i think it starts with people like dozier um maybe rosenthal if he's even pitching at that point uh maybe howie kendrick who could probably bring you back a good piece because obviously kendrick's been performing well and he can provide a contender a, a nice uh spark off the bench um People like Adam Eaton, I think, would be next in line. I forgot about him. Um, then, depending on where we're at and just how much the front office believes in selling or believes in this team's uh, window for the future, um, then I think Rendon's the next piece. And Rendon's one you need to have a conversation about uh, regardless, just because of the contract situation. Obviously, I would love to keep him. This isn't anything to do with Rendon personally, but th let's be honest, they, they messed up not trading Harper uh, last year. They could have gotten a sizable haul um, from the Astros if they had gotten a deal done, um, and obviously that would help us greatly going into this season, but they didn't. And then they lost Bryce for nothing to a division rival, which is, hurts twice as much. Um, so you really got to think about doing that with Rendon um, this year, considering where we're at or where we will be come the All-Star break and uh, how confident you are in Jake Nall or perhaps a free agent option next year 
or even key boom if you want to move key boom to third instead of second. I mean, there's options uh, beyond Rendon. Um, maybe they won't be as good, but it's hard to obviously find a Rendon. That's why he's so valuable, and that's why subsequently he'll be valuable on, on the trade block too. Um, to Ryan's point, I think you, you do have to move on from Zim. I've been saying that for years now. He's meant a lot to this organization, and the good thing about that is he's not – he won't be on the field, but he's not going anywhere in a sense because he still will be in the front office. That's been in his contract. That's what he wants to do. Um, the front office will be more than happy to to give him that and, and let him be a part of the team in that capacity going forward. But his time on the field's done. He's literally taking away from the team offensively and defensively. He's not really providing a leadership role, at least not enough to where it's translating um, in, a, in a big way on the field. And for that leadership role, he can still provide that same thing being in the front office and being in the clubhouse. He just won't be on the field, which quite honestly is addition by subtraction. Um, and yeah, you, you got it. The, the pieces that you can trade like Dozier, like Rosenthal and whatnot, you got to trade uh, maybe even a Kurt Suzuki and then just call up Spencer Keeboom uh, or uh, Severino or someone from uh, uh, the minors to fill up the backup catcher's role and then go from there. But you really need to have that evaluation of your team to sell and hopefully recoup some assets and uh, move forward. But I, I agree. I think I think the window, maybe it's not all the way closed because our pitching staff's still very good. Um, but... It, it it's very tiny considering where we're at in the division and how we've been playing for over a year now. Well, I, all, I agree with a lot of that. Yeah. And I agree with a lot of that, but I'm not quite at the blow it up stage yet. I, I feel like we do have the best starting pitching in the, in the division and maybe in all of baseball. And we have a lot of great young hitters that if, you know, it's time for them to play. At this point, the way they've been playing, the way the season's going, the way things are with Davey, I think knowing that it may not work out in this season may just be a loss, that they need to let those guys play. I want to see the young guys. I want to, And if we get to where we're hanging around 500 or, where, or worse at the All-Star break, I'd like to see some guys on the trade block, but I wouldn't touch the big three starting pitchers. I really think that's going to be the strength and that they can build around them, and we have years left of those guys. And I, I wouldn't be ready to see them go, but I think Rendon is the one who's going to bring you back the most value. And I hate the thought of losing Rendon, but you need to restock the farm system. You got a guy you may not be able to resign at the end of the year anyway, who could bring you a, a, a really nice package of, of guys back in return. Mm-hmm. I think he's the logical place to start. I would also maybe, you, you mentioned Suzuki. I would maybe think about Gulm if, if the season's a loss and, and call Kibum up. And just, you know, maybe see what can happen. You know, the, the Braves won the division last year with a bunch of young kids. Nobody thought we're going to be able to get it done. So at some point, if the season's looking terrible at the All-Star break, then I think you, you, you get rid of some of those guys. Dozier, if you can. Rosenthal, obviously, you know, isn't I – don't, I don't know that he's going to have any value to anybody um, as a trade piece. But, mm-hmm. you know, there are guys you can move and bring. And Eaton, maybe, although, I, you know, I would hate to see that. I like him a lot and I think he's a, a great kind of quintessential leadoff guy. But you know, you have pieces that you can trade without fully blowing it up. And, you know, then you've got a lot of good guys who are young who are already either in the majors now or very close to being so that it's the lower levels of the farm system that are really bad and that's where I'd like to see them get some value back. But I, I'm not to the point of blow it up yet, except for Davy. I'd like them to fire him tomorrow. I think they already know mm-hmm that he's a mistake there's no doubt everyone knows it but they're unwilling to you know as you said swallow their pride yeah and and admit that it was a mistake and that's what needs to happen they need to fire him immediately and I, i'm curious what you guys have as far as thoughts on a replacement if they fired him tomorrow who would you like to see so Davey's speaking like a guy who knows his job is up up for the taking like he knows he's on the way out like he's starting to throw Doolittle underneath the bus he's starting to like talk about how his relievers need to start pitching better and everything 
and so he can kind of feel the heat. But for this season, say the Nats fired him in season, just promote Chip Hale. Just go from in-house. Just take it easy with that. But then this offseason, for the love of God, if they fire Davey, make things right, and go get a real manager. I mean, Girardi's But why not do that now? Why Walter. wait until after the season? Why not just do it now? If you're going to fire him, why because not go out and find somebody? Would they take a job midseason? I think that's a yeah. really hard for a manager, especially when at the end of the season, if you fire Davey, Every coach is gone. You have to fire every single coach and let that new established manager pitch, pick his entire staff, and you can't do that midseason. Yeah, that midseason's I, way too much. I think uh, for the players, it'd be very hard to because Ryan said, like Ryan said, I mean, you have an outside manager coming in and making all these changes. Whereas if you go to someone like Chip Hale in season, at least there's some sort of consistency and. Uh, mindset within the, the organization. What they need, I think. What they no, need. Well, I'm not. I'm not a, saying a consistency, like, like putting out the same product, but it's like a familiar face almost, uh, because yeah. Chappelle's within the, the organization. Don't know that I agree with it. I would love to just if they're going to fire Davy, I'd love to see them go. I think if you want that spark, if you want that, what's been happening here is not acceptable then we're going to go out and get somebody else who's going to come in here and, and, you know, make you guys be better. And I don't think you get that from promoting a coach from within the organization. I think that just feels like a continuation of the same situation. It just depends but, where you're at in the season. Like if it was tomorrow and they wanted to go out and get someone like Girardi. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's still early enough in the season where he can have a lasting impact. If it's around the all-star break, and we're pretty much out of it, and we're going to be sellers anyways, there's really no need to go. Not that there's no need, but going to get a Girardi then on both sides doesn't really make any sense. Girardi's not going to take that job midseason, and like it would just be easier and less of a, a just complete change on the players and the team if we just promoted someone like Chip Hale to take over the, for the remainder of the season, and then Girardi can start fresh. Girardi or whoever it would be could start fresh with the, their team the way they want things run in spring training. Like it, it's just it easier to start to, to start think clean. about. Yeah, but it seems nuts, doesn't it, to even think about another new manager coming in after two years? But they, Davy is not long for this job. It's just yeah. I think he knows it. I think everybody knows it. The front office knows it. It's just a matter of of how to handle it, but. I don't know. They've got to go out and get somebody. I want to have a. I want to have a manager who's going to be here for twenty years. You yeah, know, like yeah. the good organizations do. And this this every two years thing that the learners have been doing is just untenable. It, it's crazy. Like when you think about how we have had a new manager every two years, but at the same time, I'm not thinking about it just because of how Davy how bad Davy has been, and it's just it's going to be such a good thing when we get a real manager who knows what he's doing. So it's just, uh, I'm more looking forward to that rather than, oh no, we have another manager gone after two years. I'm not worried about that PR, that how that looks. And yeah, the, the, point, the, Nats, the Nats or the learners in the front office shouldn't be worried about e- that either. Their concern should be getting a good manager who knows what the hell he's doing. Yeah, that I mean, should be that should have always been the main concern. Yeah, I know. When they when they fired Davey, there's not gonna be any negative articles about it. The only negative articles might be that the Nats were dumb enough to hire him just because he's been <laughs> an absolute disaster since day one. I just don't know how much longer yeah. they can keep going on with this. Yeah, and I, I can see him going back to uh the Cubs next year too. Yeah, that wouldn't Bold surprise prediction. me. It wouldn't so. surprise me. I think this uh the Davy Martinez experiment has not been a fruitful one. <laughs> we can say. No, you need you need a manager with managing experience, but not someone who's too set in the old school baseball way. Yeah, to, like too to calcified in the right, mm-hmm. like Dusty. <laughs> His name is literally Dusty. Like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. He chews toothpicks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess it's better than tobacco. <laughs> at least tobacco you right. cool uh yeah 
I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's go on and talk about our Twitter questions, which since we had our um, weird issues with the audio last week, some of these are from last week. Um, And we've addressed a couple of them in this FYI segment. The first one was from at Nationals Post where he says, first time caller, long time listener, does Davey make it to the all-star break? And if no, who's the shortlist of replacement? So we just kind of went over all of that. Um, we didn't get, do you guys think it's going to be an all-star break thing or you think they're going to wait until the end of the season I, to fire him? I'll say mid-June because the one thing we didn't mention when we talked about Keyboom is that the Keyboom calls up, Keyboom call up gives Davey and gives the front office time. So it gives them time to see how the team performs with the spark that Keyboom's providing or hypothetically will provide to the team. Um, we've already kind of seen it in two of the three games that he's played so far. Um, so it buys them time. Uh, so, I mean, we'll see, but I think it's going to be a mid-June, late June, early July, somewhere in that time Do you time think if frame. they're performing well that he keeps his job at least until the end of the season, or do you think that yeah, because he's going to be, be gone only, only because they're not going to want the perceived backlash of firing a manager mid-season. Not not because he's not because Davey earned uh, his job back or anything, but they don't want that backlash. So if he plays, if they're at five hundred or slightly above five hundred, they're going to see that as good enough, and which is just a terrible mindset to have. Yes, I think that yes, it's going to be. If nothing improves, it's going to be an end of year. Firing. I mean, they held on to Matt Williams three months longer than they should have. Um, I think they're kind of just going to wait out, let him have his moment, uh, just finishing everything out. But if the Nats are kind of, you know, kind of get back into it and hang around in like second or third place and five, three, four, five games out, I think that buys them a third year, which would really <laughs> suck. But I don't know. I think things will have to go really south for them to fire him. I think they'll have to go south, really south in season for him to get fired before the end of the year. I think things are going to have to get really bad, like fourth place, way out of it, kind of bad. And I think they might fire him mid-year. Otherwise, I think he's gone at the end of the year. I don't think there's anything that they could do that would get him to keep his job. I think that Rizzo and the learners already know that he's not a good manager. And that regardless of where the Nats wind up at the end of this year, I think he's gone. And Ryan addressed it earlier, but I didn't want to interrupt him. The I don't know if I know Ryan obviously saw it because he mentioned it, but the comments Davey made when he threw Doolittle under the bus absolutely oh, so infuriating baffled me. Like, are you was that a joke? Like the fact that he did that in the way he did it, there was just everything was wrong about it, and it just this dude does not have a clue whatsoever. No, he's not a good manager, as it turns out. Joke. Yeah, that was very hard to take because, you know, Doolittle has been the only good thing about that bullpen and has you've pitched him too much and you've put him in, you know, positions where he's, you know, coming in with, you know, he's coming in trying to clean up the mess. Setting him up for failure, basically. Right, exactly. Setting him up for failure. You've put him in all these terrible positions and then you have the temerity to come out and talk crap when he makes one mistake. I mean, he almost never gives up home runs and he gives one up and that's your reaction to it. It's, it's really crazy. And I can't imagine that the the rest of the team didn't have the same reaction to it that we're having right now. Yeah. That's supposed to be your leader. Yeah. Some leader that is just I mean, a joke a of a manager. Like it was a change up low in the way. Like that's a good, right. Pitch. It wasn't even a bad pitch. Was... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, he's Maybe talking about, he's talking about how Doolittle's throwing a crisp 96. That has nothing to do with the home run. Like, it was a change-up low and away. It was a good pitch, and it was a good piece of hitting. Like, oh, yeah, my God. Sometimes the hitter just is better than you. Sometimes the hitter just gets it, and there's nothing this, you can do. He literally does not have a clue, and it, it, it could not be any more obvious. Yeah. I mean, as yep, Trevor Rosenthal shows, a... it doesn't matter how hard your fastball is. Like, <laughs> speed means nothing. Yes, especially at this level. 100 to these guys is just like, it's a timing thing. It's not meaning, like, just because you throw 100 or 99 or whatever, doesn't mean you're automatically going to be better. 
once the hitters get their timing down, it's light work. Yeah, agreed. All right, next question is from at Miller Seth 2022 and he said, if the Nats don't improve by the trade deadline, do they ship Rendon off for prospects like they should have done with Harper? So this is another one we kind of touched on already, which is, you know, will they have the have the stomach to do with Rendon what, in retrospect, they obviously should have done with Harper? Well, let's just, like, since we kind of already touched on it, let's just give our firm predictions. Yes or no? Do we think he does it? Or do you, do we no. think the Nats do it? I'm going to say no as well, even though I think they should. I'm going to give a qualified yes. Yes, if they're out of it and things are as bad at the All-Star break as they are right now. If they're hanging around within five games of first place and they still have a shot at it, then I think no. Yeah. I mean, it's just – they should they, – uh, like everything's pointing to the fact that they should only because we know that they're not going to resign him or not like give him an offer that's even close to what he's asking for or what he'll probably get. So they obviously should. Right. If you're not going to pay him what he's worth and it seems obvious that they're not, then they need to, then they need to get what they can for him because if they knew that the offer they had in mind for Harper was never going to get it done, then there's no reason why they should have held on to him. Right. Tickets. Speaking of Bryce Harper, our next our next question is from at Fun Bryce Harper, who said, "What came first, the chicken or the egg? And when do the Nats platoon Zim and Adams?" So this is from last week. So obviously Zim has gone to the DL at this point. I am. But um, what do you think in the larger scale? I mean, Adams isn't great against against lefties. So what do you think? Do you think if Zim comes back and can play, that they're going to just platoon them? No, I I, I think it's. Not that it should be, but this is what's going to happen. They're just going to let Zim go out there. They're not going to think about it because look who our manager is. He doesn't care. He has no idea what he's doing. He's just going to put Zim out there and accept what happens. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like unless Adams like completely just tears it up in this week without Zim, Zim's going to be going right back out there playing four days out of a week. Which makes no, no sense because anytime he moves, the guy's grimacing and holding his back. Like, come on. <laughs> no, it didn't even matter. Look at Howie Kendrick. Howie Kendrick, literally, the moment he got healthy and was back uh, with the team, he was tearing it up, and it took a plethora of injuries just to get Howie Kendrick like consistent at bats. Just this manager has no clue what he's doing, and this team is doomed as long as this guy's the manager. Well, that's uh, that's hopeful. <laughs> There's no hope with under Davey Martinez. There's just oh, none. Yeah, Abandon yeah. all hope, ye who are Nats fans, until they fire. It, it has nothing to do. There's problems with the, the bullpen, the team, the front office, but there is absolutely no hope as long as Davey Martinez is the manager. You know what gets me about the whole situation is that the bullpen, in in some ways, I blame him because his bullpen management decisions are often inexplicably stupid but it's also a terrible bullpen the personnel you have there are bad so there's only so much you can do with it but what gets me about the lineup is that you have better options and you keep not playing them that's what's so frustrating is when you've got when you've got guys like Kendrick is your better option why is he being treated as the bench guy like he's your best option right now the team has been awful you've lost way too many games you you need to be winning every single game you can win. Why is Kendrick not in your starting lineup every day? It just doesn't yeah. make any sense. If he's riding the hot hand uh, lineup-wise and losing, whether it be Kendrick or Adams or whoever, if he's riding the hot hand and losing, that's one thing. But he's not even making those changes that would perceptually give you a better chance to win. He's just doing the same thing, thinking, oh, t- yesterday was an off day we'll get back at it today and get this win. He's not even making the changes. He's literally doing the same thing over and over again, not adapting his coaching style to what it needs to be. And we're losing. The team is suffering because of it. And and it's going to be only a matter of time before the team really morale wise is lost. I mean, remember there's the famous thing about, you know, Jason Worth screaming at Matt Williams about when do you think you lost this team? And that's what's happening. I mean, you can only see so many 
leads given up by the bullpen. You can only lose so many games that way before the team is just so demoralized. That's what needs to change. Obviously, it's no surprise I'm past that point, but I genuinely do believe we're getting close to that point where the morale of this team is going to dip, especially with Trey and Rendon hurt and the bullpen still what it is. Agreed. They need those guys back in a, in a bad way because they, yeah. they bring a lot of energy and they bring a lot of steadiness, especially Rendon. Rendon is yeah. the most even-keeled, steady presence in that clubhouse, and having him hurt is a really – aside from its impact on the on the diamond, which is huge, You know, the, the impact of the clubhouse is bad as well. You know what I just realized is that Trey and Rendon got the Amanda MVP curse. Tra- yeah right. Yeah, she I'm called Trey. Yeah, yeah, Trey for MB- <laughs> Trey for MVP gets hurt. Uh, she switches it to Rendon immediately gets hurt. So yeah, you need to. Yeah, stop. hit by pitch even. It was like it was like the baseball gods going. Nope, he's not even gonna yeah, like drain him up bleak. We're just gonna take him out. We're- so clearly, you need to switch it to like Bryce Harper for MVP, and then uh, it's Matt. Matt, he's my guy. <laughs> <laughs> even better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not nice. <laughs> All right. So the next one is from, uh, or last one that was from the previous week, which is at Lang underscore Randy, who said, how bad is this going to get? Max is scuffling, Zim can't hit, and the bullpen is garbage. How is this going to get better? That's a good question that has no really good answers. Yeah. Well, good. he's in luck because Zim went to DL. Max pitched pretty well. And oh, yeah. The bullpen just uh, did eight innings. So, like, clearly the team saved. Yeah, clearly everything's fixed and we're yeah, fine. Clearly everything's You're welcome, just America. <laughs> <laughs> so the question is, things maybe are a little bit better this week than last week, but not by much. And we don't know how they're yeah, going to No, no, just, just today. Yeah, just, just today. today. We won today. All right. Savor it. Yeah, we won today, and that's better than losing. So we'll yep. take it. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> this dovetails nicely into our next question from at XEA76, who said, why are we still interested in this awful team? <laughs> this is actually my burner account. We're addicted to pain. <laughs> yeah, yes, we, we're we just are. a glutton for punishment at this point. <laughs> hey, all of us DC sports fans, you know what? We've been through worse. So this is this is this too shall pass. Yeah, I had to so. see Jason Worth start the last playoff series. Oof. Yeah. There is that. We just had to we've watched it, but we've seen worse for sure. Yeah, we've been tortured. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Although we just did get one championship last year for DC, so that kind of takes. The yeah, and then the, the most DC thing ever: a first-round playoff exit the year after. No, hey, the right. most they DC the thing ever would have been to not make the playoffs the next year. So at least, no, the most DC thing ever is to make the playoffs expecting to make another deep run or a deep run in general and then lose in the first round. That is absolutely the most easy thing Did either of you guys go to the game? I didn't go to game seven because my mindset was if they lose, I don't want to be there. And if they win, I'll just go to games next. I wish I had next round to that advice because I was there and it was awful. (laughs) Yeah. How did you get home? Uh, 2 a.m.? <laughs> I live really far away, so. Yeah. Oh, and the game ended late. Yeah, the game was double overtime, and then it was a really, really, you know, I was just thinking as I was driving away from it how last year when we drove away from the last game, we were down there for the, when they won the cup for the watch party, and it was so exciting, and everybody was so happy, and it was like dead silence walking out of the arena. There was, nobody was talking. <laughs> Yeah, so no, no car no horns hug. in the no no let's yeah. you know caps 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 cap, horns going. God, I love those. <laughs> yeah. All right, we got one more question. Going yeah. back, this is in fact a Nats podcast, so we'll go back to the Nats. Um, this is from at Riggle Nine Thousand, and it is. And what is wrong with me that I keep subjecting myself to these torturous experiences? I will wait patiently for your response. This is also <laughs> one of my uh, burner accounts. So, yeah, this is – we don't know. We don't know why we all keep doing this to ourselves. I often ask myself why. Hey, but yeah. at least uh, looking at the bright side, you're not alone. So. Yeah, but one day, statistically speaking, our team will win. 
So I don't know when that will be, <laughs> due, but it, it should happen eventually. <laughs> yeah, we're due. We are due. Right, at some point. At some point, it'll happen. And it's glorious. You know, after all the years of futility, finally we'll win, and it will all be glorious and worth it. And all the pain that we've endured, will it will be that much sweeter for all of that pain. So Something we like have that, that to look forward to. So they keep telling me. Something like that. <laughs> all right. So now our favorite segment, the worst tweet of the week. This is from at Neil Nats fan. Oh, no, drum roll. All right, this is awkward. Oh, go ahead. Drum roll. Wow, that was half-assed. Okay. So, at Heel Nats fan says, said earlier on Twitter, he said, let's be honest with ourselves. The Nats are already out of the playoffs. To which I responded something stupid. I don't remember exactly what it was. And he said, this is the worst tweet part, don't fight it. You know it's true. If I'm wrong, I'll wear a Bryce Harper Phillies jersey for a week. So I, I, I bookmarked that. I honestly don't Not disagree deal. with his first tweet, <laughs> if we're being yeah. honest. Uh, we <laughs> you just really want think this... it's already done? Like you think they're out of the playoffs at 25 games, 26 I mean, games in? I, honestly, I, I genuinely, honestly, truthfully believe that they are out of the playoffs. Fair enough. I'm not ready to go there yet. Not this early. I well, think they're the out of the playoffs if nothing changes. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm looking for like my new team that I'm going to root for this year. It's probably going to be the Padres. Wow. What a traitor. Holy crap. No, Um, not like. (laughs) Just, I I need some excitement. Yeah, I don't know that the Padres are your place for that, but. Um, Second best record in the National League. Show respect. Respect. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. No respect. Um, But we we need to pay attention to the issue at hand here. Heel Nats fan, we're not going to let you forget this, and we're going to want <laughs> video evidence yes, I every single day of you wearing the jersey. Uh, honestly, yeah, yeah we that, need that's, it every pro- day. I, that's probably the, the right spin zone that I should root for the Nats to make the playoffs so that this guy has to do what uh what he said he was <laughs> going to do. Yeah, and so I'm not ready to declare them out of the playoffs yet. Right now, they've got – they're starting a – the next road trip is going to be, what, Phillies for three, Brewers for three, and then the Dodgers for four. So, we're, it, so 0 and 10? Right. So that's going to be a really <laughs> rough stretch for them. So I'm, I might be more ready to throw the towel in when that road trip is over, but I'm not there yet. How soon right. until we Don't get worry, the – go ahead. Um, I'm going to the game tomorrow, and that's our 2-0 when I feel like counting the games I'm at. So <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome, everyone. <laughs> How long until we get yeah. the uh, if the season ended today? This is the playoffs tweets. Um, I'm surprised they haven't yet. Yeah, because like I feel week. like those are like I'm coming going, around soon. It's gonna be the third week of May. I'm saying we. Yeah. Okay. That, that sounds third about week right. of May. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's just gonna uh, gonna be about it for us for today. You guys got anything else? Nope. Just gonna be depressed till the next podcast because they're gonna go zero and ten. <laughs> you say <Okay>. roll tide. <laughs> roll tide. What? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> All right. War that eagle. is uh, out of left field a little bit. To War use, damn to eagle. <laughs> Go Tigers. All right. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed the show today. Thank you, as always, for listening. Please be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to leave us a review, we would certainly appreciate it. Again, I'm Amanda. You can find me on Twitter at AWhite7877. You can find Nick and Ryan at DC Natchak and the show at Half Street High Heat. And you can find the DMV Sports Network at DMV underscore SN. And uh, if you're looking to ever participate, be part of the podcast or writing team there. They're always looking for new people. So be sure to shoot them an email at DMV Sports Network at Outlook.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Roll damn tag. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about busting loose, y'all. Busting loose in the meantime.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.